Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Let's read verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? All right, so here are the questions. Number one, when shall these things be? What things? What things are they talking about? The destruction of the temple. As prophesied by the God of the temple. <laughs> Lord, what, when, when are you going to tear all this down? Uh, he's like, well, it won't be the first time. So just, we've done this a few times already. Uh, so w- when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And what did they connect together? What is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. All right, so what is the end? The end of the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. What did they connect together here? The sign of thy coming and the end of the world. They put it together in one question. Now, we're going to see multiple times in Matthew chapter 24, the words, the end. It's connected to this, the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. All right. We're going to read. He says, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, kingdoms, nations, all against each other, pestilence. But this is not the end. (laughs) Well, the end of what? End of the world. All right, remember in the Bible, the word world, like the word gospel, has multiple meanings. Well, it doesn't have multiple meanings, but there have been multiple worlds. Peter talks about the destruction of the world that then was, right? If it then was and was destroyed, then what does that mean? One world came to an end and a new world began. Everybody, everybody see that? Or, 
or at least get what I'm what I'm saying here. So you're going to see the word the term the end multiple times throughout the chapter. Now the Lord and the disciples are sitting on the Mount of Olives as they have this discussion. Um, and and again, if you look look real fast at Matthew 26, hold your place in 24. I want to show you something. Um, I wrote a song called O Bethany, and um, it was based on my study of, of Bethany and the Bible and all the things that took place there. This event is included in the song because Matthew 24, 25, and 26 run together for the most part, right? And so if you look at 26 verses 1 through 6 real fast, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that that now you, you understand what just happened. He finished all these sayings. What does that mean? Matthew 24, 25. Now we're going into chapter 26. He's just finished what he started in Matthew 24, right? All right. So you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day. <laughs> we don't want to, I mean, we're, we're godly people. We don't want to murder somebody for no reason on the feast day. I mean, that'd be ungodly. Um, and so, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Now then, now when Jesus was in Bethany. All right, so now... Let me be clear, this doesn't say when he taught, what he taught in Matthew 24 and 25, he was in Bethany, though it indicates that it's possible, right? It looks like they are in Bethany or near Bethany when he gives this sermon of Matthew 24 and 25. Now, that's significant because Zechariah 14, 4 says that Jesus Christ is going to return to the Mount of Olives. Where is Bethany? It's on top of the Mount of Olives. In Luke 24, when he ascends into heaven, where did he ascend from? Bethany. It says he went as far with them as unto Bethany. Then Luke picks up in Acts chapter 1, and the two angels say, Why are you staring into heaven? This same Jesus will return in like manner as you have seen him go. So there's a strong chance he's going to return to Bethany. And it's possible this, this, this entire conversation takes place in Bethany. It's definitely on the Mount of Olives, uh, but it's, it's possible that, that they are in Bethany when they have this conversation. Though it's not definitive, I wouldn't argue or fight with anybody over it. Now, this verse represents or presents us with two, two questions. When shall these things be? What is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Those two are connected. The Lord's coming and the end of the world are, are tightly related. You can't separate them. Right? So, so it's important to see that those questions go together. Um, the end of the world is given more light in verse 14. Look real quick at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Um, and, and so we're, we're going to look at the, you know, the idea of the end of the world in a bit more detail in a few minutes if we, if we get to it. Now, from verses 3 to 14, the Lord gives general signs and characteristics of the world 
from the time sin entered until the start of the tribulation. That is so important to understand. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be caught up in the hysteria that comes when there was an earthquake. Well, there have been two, two minor earthquakes in Uganda since I've been here. Does that mean the Lord's coming? No, it has nothing to do with it. It's, it was weird. I've never been through something like that before. The, everything's shaking. It's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and so it has nothing to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. Er, earthquakes have been happening for, for ages. Yes, sir. Second coming, is it that he's coming back to save the thousand year? Mm -hmm. It's the end of the tribulation, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, so we have this is where all this is connected. You have one week left, right? All right, so right here you have the rapture. The church is gone. This week begins at the end of this week, is the second coming. When Christ comes, he will establish his kingdom on earth. All right, does that make sense? And then, of course, this, this week, this is Daniel 9, Matthew 24, Revelation 5 through 19. This is what we're talking about right now. All right. Fits, fits, all that fits in that one week. All right, so these general signs and characteristics, wars, rumors of wars, um, all these things that, are, that, that, that have been going on since Genesis 3, when this week starts, they intensify. That, that's when you know the tribulation is starting or has started because it's not just... Russia decided to invade Ukraine, a third of the earth died, a third of the grass died, a third of the, the oceans died. I mean, we're talking about the things you think you've seen that are bad. Oh, they're hungry in Somalia. They're going to be hungry everywhere. All right, so it's, it has these little local famines and pestilences and, and, you know, all these things that are going on. That is nothing compared to what's coming. And you don't want to be here. So trust in Jesus Christ. He will take you away. Um, then you don't, have to be, you don't have to be part of it. If you want to go through it, have at it. Endure to the end. <laughs> Just, it's like the ultimate triathlon or, you know, all those guys like to run those crazy races and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like the, one of those on steroids. Uh, go for it. Try it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't suggest it, but if you, you really want to, you, you go for it. Uh, now, the, the first half of Jacob's trouble is called the tribulation. The second half is called the great tribulation. Verse 15 begins to be more specific and notes a change in the characteristics of the times. This is a point at which the transition from tribulation to great tribulation takes place. Look at verse 15 real fast. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Now, in our, in our seven, seven years, our last week, when does that happen? In the middle. 
right in the middle of that week is verse 15. The, the abomination of desolation is set up at the temple. And at that point, that's when Satan has been cast out of heaven. He's confined to earth and he's angry. Jesus says, run, hide, flee, get away. Don't go back and get your stuff. Don't, don't, don't delay. Get out. You have got to run. It's going to be very, very, very bad. Now, when they ask about the end of the world, the body of Christ is still a mystery, though it is being revealed at this time. You've got to remember, when you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in, in, through the course of those books, the Old Testament is coming to a close and the, and the New Testament is being manifest. So it's not clear to them yet what's coming. Even through the book of Acts, they don't have a clue what they're doing. They're like, have you received the Holy Ghost? No, we haven't. So he just puts his hands on him. He's like, well, now you've got him. <laughs> there he is. He's like, well, how'd you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Just <laughs> Not until we get the book of Romans and I can figure out what's, what's happening here. All right, so... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is, is a mixture of Old Testament doctrine and New Testament doctrine. But the, the Old Testament doctrine is coming to a close. When does the New Testament technically, officially begin? The death of Jesus Christ. The death of the testator, according to Hebrews 9. Christ dies, the New Testament begins. Now, a will and testament becomes a force after men have died. Not before. So if any of you have a father or grandfather and he left you in the will you can't go to him while he's alive and say i need what you i need you to give me what you put in the will no this this will has no effect until i die so until then you get nothing if you ask me again i'm taking you out of the will (laughs) and so when jesus dies the testament becomes a force The New Testament begins. The Old Testament is done away with. He has fulfilled everything uh, other than the few prophetic events left that will take place in the book of Revelation. All right. So that's what's happening. So they're not thinking about a they're not thinking about a long period of time here called the church age. That's not in their mind. They're just like, well, look at this beautiful temple. Yeah, I'm going to destroy it. When? And when's the end of the world, by the way? When are you coming? You're talking about leaving. You keep talking all about all this stuff, about dying and all this stuff. But when are you coming back? <laughs> and so, so they, they open, this, open up this conversation. Uh, though they, they, They're not thinking about the spiritual context. They're thinking about a kingdom. In fact, th- th- you go through all Matthew 24, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the Jews. All this is in view. He dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. And in Acts chapter 1, they say, can we have the kingdom now? He's like, you. Has anybody listened to me in the past three and a half years? It's like, what, what is wrong with y'all? And so, um, so th- this context is important. The conversation is not about the church. It's about Israel. It's about the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. When it says, in, you know, if you endure to the end, you shall be saved. That has nothing to do with your soul. That means if you can make it till Jesus returns, you get to keep your physical life. That's it. You get to go in the kingdom and, and, and stay alive. 
but you don't want to try and do that. It's not going to be not going to be good. Now look at verse 16, and we'll get a little bit more context. Then let them which are in Judea, Judea, flee into the mountains. Now, at this time when Jesus is talking, who are the people in Judea? Jews. Not Muslims, not Palestinians, not Arabs. All the people trying to take Israel's land, none of them belong there. Now, they can be there for now because God hasn't given it back to Israel. That's why, you know, all these battles, when, when the, the current nation of Israel that's there, they, they go and they fight and take part of Jerusalem. Well, good job. I mean, it has nothing to do with prophecy. It has nothing to do with God restoring the land to you. Because when that time comes, it's, it's going to be given to you wholesale. You're not going to have to fight tooth and nail and then surround yourselves with a missile defense system that keeps everything and everybody out. You're not going to have to do that. When Jesus comes back and says, here's your land, it will be safe. <laughs> you, can be, you can guarantee that. <laughs> there will be no confusion. Should we go attack them today? No. Jesus is there, and he's ruling with a rod of iron. I don't want to get hit with a rod of iron, so I'm going to stay home and act right. <laughs> Leave things alone. Look at verse 20. These are all characteristics that give us context. Verse 20. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Who would that pertain to? The Jews. All to the Jews. Verse 15, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Daniel's prophecy was regarding his brethren, the Jews. According to Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined upon who? Thy people and thy city, which is Jerusalem. All right, so you're seeing that this, this belongs to the Jews. It has nothing to do with the church. As, as bad as some people want us to be there, I, I don't understand why, but, but they, they do. Um, look at Matthew 24, verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, I'm on the wrong, back here. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Uh, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a common characteristic of this age. Now, the, the church is not typically warned against false teachers and spirits. There's a measure of that in, in, New Testament, in, 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 the, in the New Testament. Um, but we're not, we're not typically warned to stay away from them. We're told to go confront them. Right? This, this is saying these people are going to be deceived by these false prophets and false teachers. We have nothing to do with prophets. You know, God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Who are the fathers? The Jews. The prophets spoke to the Jews, not to us. Right? We, we have apostles. We read the prophets. We read the writings of the prophets, and we benefit from them. All this is written for our learning and admonition. Um, but that's why when Islam says, have you, have you heard the prophet Muhammad? No. Why would we do that? But, but in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. Why would I exchange your dead prophet for the son of God? No, thank you. Then the Mormon, we, we've been seeing Mormons walking all over town lately in their stupid white outfits with their little badge on. And what they want you to know is that their prophet has a message for you. Why would I listen to your prophet? I'm not a Jew. I'm not one of the fathers. And that's how God spake to the fathers in time past. You're living in the past. 
Why don't you get caught up to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and stop trying to waste my time and mislead people. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is in view. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then, and then shall the end come. All right, now, now this is important. So what's the question again? When shall these things be? And what is the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Verse 15, when. When you see, he says, all right, you want a sign of my coming? When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, you got three and a half years and I'm coming. But don't wait around. You better run. You better hide. You better flee. You better endure to the end. Uh, so Matthew 24 presents us with some, some order to end time events. Verse 14, then shall the end come. Verse 15, when ye therefore shall see. Verse 21, then shall be great tribulation. Verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. All right, you want to know the sign? It's in verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. All right, so where, where will I be when that happens? Coming with him. <laughs> if you're saved, where will you be when that happens? Coming with Jesus Christ. So if, you, if they see the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, we are with him. He comes back riding on his white horse and, you know, with that vesture on and all that. I mean, we get to come with him. Now, again, I don't know what we're going to do other than cheer and, and just, you know, get them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we get to participate. I hope we do. That'd be great. But, um, you know, all these, all these people who mock God and mock Jesus Christ, that's going to be a rough day for you. I mean, you're you're going to hate yourself that day. You had a chance to repent and trust in somebody who loved you and cared for you and would have taken care of you, and you chose to mock him. Well, now you're going to have to face him, and that's going to be a rough day for you. So uh, I, I, I hope you're okay with that. Now, they'll say they are, and everybody says they are. Everybody talks big until, until something happens. You know, and I used to uh, be heavily involved in, in fighting, mixed martial arts fighting. You know, all these people have, all over the Internet, there's all these people, strangers out on the street, who see a mixed martial art, a professional fighter. His job is to train eight hours a day to beat your face in. What did you do eight hours yesterday? Well, I was at my computer desk working. Yeah, not the same thing. And so they see him in the street and they want to go and poke the bear. Like, I think I could take you and start talking trash. And, and then the guy gives them an opportunity and it doesn't go well. <laughs> they end up bleeding on the ground and the, and the professional fighter is in trouble. All right, so you can say all you want. I'm, I'm going to have a party with my friends in hell. You're, you're, con, you're a confused, ignorant fool. You're going to lift up your eyes in hell being in torment. Uh, your definition of party is really different from my definition of party. All right, and so if, if you don't get that straight, you're going to own it. All right, you see a bear, you don't go, I told you once, I, I told you once, I, I, I saw, if it wasn't on video, you wouldn't believe people are this stupid. 
The guy has a long stick and a bear and he's poking the bear. We literally have a saying in English, don't poke the bear. And he's... (laughs) (laughs) And then the next thing you know, the video shuts off when the bear is, I mean, but a step away. And the guy's like, you know, trying to get away. You're not going to outrun a bear that you just poked with a stick. You're not going to defy Jesus Christ. You have the liberty to do it now. That liberty is quickly running out. And you're going to see him face to face. And you are going to wish to God. Brother James always, he always says, you know what they're going to say when they see him? Oh, my God. And for once, it'll be true. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all those times you used his name in vain, you used it as a cuss word, you used it as a, you know, in, in this improper way. On that day, that'll be the proper use. Jesus Christ. Yep, there he is. All right, so the end always coincides with the end of the time of Jacob's trouble and the second coming of Jesus Christ. They are intimately connected. All right, and so that, this is what they're asking about. And they, they linked it together in their question. All right, now... These things, we talked about that, refers back to the temple, and uh, the Lord's going to tear it down. Um, and, and they connect, they try and connect the, the, the destruction of the Lord's, of the temple with the coming of the Lord, um, but, but there, there's a, a massive space of time there. Um, the, the temple was destroyed about 40 years after the death of Christ. So there's been about 2,000, there'll be about 2,000 years or, or, or more between the destruction of the temple and, and um, the Lord's final coming. All right, verse 4. We're not making it very far. Uh, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, that's instruction. Everybody understand that, what I mean by that? The Lord didn't say, take heed, I will prevent you from being deceived. He said, you, you, don't be deceived. Now, why? Well, twice in this book, he says, false Christs are going to come. Why? What, for what purpose? To deceive many. False prophets are going to come. Why? What's their purpose? To deceive many. So he's telling you, I, I, look, I'm telling you. False Christs are going to come. False prophets are going to come. They're going to deceive many. You better not be one of them. Yes, sir. (laughs) That means you have studied your Bible and you are prepared. So when a false prophet comes along and tries to mislead you or to deceive you, you can say, no, you can stop your deception right there. I'm not going. Go find somebody else. But if you're not prepared, you haven't been studying your Bible, you haven't been reading your Bible, what's going to happen is they're going to come along and they're going to say a little bit of truth intermingled with a little bit of lie and they're going to hook you. And then when they have your attention, they're going to slowly drag you into the lie. And then five years down the road, you, you, who knows what you're doing and where you are. Multiple times in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, don't be deceived. Here's the context. Here's the information I'm giving you. This is what's coming. This is what they're going to try to do. Don't you be deceived. And many times he said, I have told you before. (laughs) I'm telling you ahead of time so you're not deceived. And then people walk right into it. Like, it's like, you know, 
people put up a big sign saying, wet paint, don't touch. And people go, oh, it's, it is wet. It's like, the sign said it was wet. Well, I didn't. I, I thought maybe the sign was lying to me. Don't be deceived. Don't do that. Believe what the Lord says. Don't test it. Uh, verse 5, many shall come in my name. They will say, I am Christ. They will deceive many, but we are not supposed to be deceived. That's not us. We are responsible for knowing who Christ is and being prepared to spot a fake. So when the Catholics come and say, have you met the son of Mary? No, but I've met the son of God. When the Jehovah's Witnesses come and they try to tell you who their Christ is. When the Mormons tell you that the Jesus they have is the brother of Lucifer. Wrong Christ. I don't know that Jesus. That's your Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, when, when the Muslims come and say, have you met the prophet Jesus or the prophet Isa? He's just a man. Well, Isa probably is a man, <laughs> but not Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Bible. That's a false Christ. And, and they, they have deceived many. Billions. Billions of people have been deceived by those, by those organizations. Verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. All right, so now let's think about this. All right, I, I want to put this in the context of the constant hysteria over the coming of Jesus Christ. There's a war. Jesus is coming. What did he just say? When you see a war, don't be troubled. It has nothing to do with my coming. All right, now, if the war is in your country, you might want to be troubled or go somewhere or, you know, troubled for a different reason. If I was a Ukrainian, I'd be a little, little nervous right now. But not because I think the coming of Jesus Christ is about to happen. That, that war or the many like it have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Have nothing to do with his coming. And he literally said, when you see a war, don't be troubled. The end is not yet. These things have to happen. All right, now, during the tribulation, how many wars are there that don't include fighting against Jesus? It's not like nations assembling against nations and all that. There might be a little bit of that. Those ten kings are going to subdue the nations. But the Bible indicates that when the Antichrist comes out and they start worshiping that beast, they just hand themselves right over to him. All right, so all these wars and everything that's going on, it has nothing to do with the tribulation, the time of the end, or Jesus Christ. That's life in a sin-cursed world. It's just how it is. I talked to a brother when the, the pandemic started, and he said, oh, our, our eschatology uh, antennas should be tingling. Why? What does COVID-19 have to do with the end of the world or the second coming of Jesus Christ? Now, now if I were to call him and say, so well, how's that tingle? <laughs> Pandemic's over. I mean, it's done. <laughs> so what happened? Well, that's not what I meant. I, I know, I know. Um, now, why, why do wars exist? Who can tell me? 
because of sin, but the Bible gives a very specific reason. Because of your lust. James 4, verses 1 through 3. Wars come of your lust. When, when, um, when men lust over what other, other people have, sometimes they're willing to go fight over it. The Bible says, well, only by pride cometh contention. All right? That's it. What does that have to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I, I guarantee you, you're going to meet somebody and they're going to say, do you see that war in Russia? That's a sign of the times. <laughs> and, and you can take them to Acts chapter 1 and show them, Jesus said, it is not for you to know. Well, Lord, what's the signs? Uh, there, there might be some signs, but it's not for you to know. Okay, what do you want us to do? I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I want you to go be a witness. There's information that the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power, and that's the Holy Spirit, and you're going to go and be witnesses unto me. And so people, what people do is they say, I got the Holy Spirit. Have you seen that war in Russia? It's like, no, you have the Holy Spirit to, access, to give you access to power to go and preach the gospel. And instead of being focused on that, you want to talk about politics. And somehow superimpose politics onto the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Barack Obama, he's, that's the, he's the Antichrist. People wrote books saying that Barack Obama was the Antichrist. And then when he wasn't, they wrote a book saying that Hillary Clinton was the Antichrist. And Donald Trump won the presidency. <laughs> It's, it's amazing, and people will buy it, and they will go and repeat it. It's insane. They said, Lord, what is the sign of your coming? He said, first, first, these are not the signs of my coming. And then what does everybody do? They say, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, those are signs of the Lord's coming. He just said, that is not a sign of my coming. It has nothing to do with it. Are you getting the message so far? Am I being clear enough? I hope so, because it's, it, 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 somebody is going to listen to this and write in and ask a question and say, you hear about that earthquake in Thailand? Like, No, I don't care about an earthquake. I hope they're okay. I'll pray for them. Hope they get you know, food and recovery and shelter, and I hope nobody got hurt. Uh, but it has nothing to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. Stop, stop with all that. Right now, the, the, we just live in a time where the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. That's just how it is. There's no way around it. That's, Jesus said from the time of John. This was so, so incredible about that. We had all that on the board. And we talked about how in Rome, John the Baptist and the Messiah were there. Right? Messiah was cut off. Well, before Messiah was cut off, Jesus said of John... Uh, from, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Before that, God said it'll be Nebuchadnezzar, then it'll be uh, Cyrus, then it's going to be Alexander, then it's going to be Rome. That, that's, that's my order. As soon as Rome is off the scene, <laughs> who's got the biggest guns? Who's the most violent? Yeah, well, that's why we rule the world. <laughs> And, and when, yeah, Uganda. <laughs> when you can fix a road in Uganda, then <laughs> you, you let me know. <laughs> has that bridge been put back yet? Or is this, it has? Yeah, it's, 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 
Uh, yeah, that, that's an amazing road. All right, so when you can fix a road, then we, we can talk about that. So, um, you know, but there, there are a lot of countries who want that spot. How are they going to get it? Not through diplomacy, not through love and peace and aid. They got to be more violent. And if you're willing to be more violent than the most powerful country in the world, then you can take the kingdom of heaven. That's where we are. That's how it is. It's, it's deception. It's, 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 they mislead people. They lie to people. They, they come to Africa and say, you want a road that'll be washed away by a swamp? We'll give you the money for it. And the African leaders say, sure. <laughs> then they give, the lead, they, they, give, they give that leader the money, and then they send another person around and say, oh, we happen to build roads that get washed away by swamps. Did you want to use the money that was loaned to you for us to build the road? That'd be great. Sure. So they owe this guy the money. They just gave it. They owe this Chinese company the money. They just paid. They they borrowed the money. Then they paid it to this Chinese company, which is probably owned by this company to build the road that's going to be washed away. And so now they owe money to the company for building the road or gave the money away to the company to build the road. But they still owe the company the money that they were loaned in the first place. And so what happens is the company, the company just happens to have ownership by the Communist Party. And when the, when the country can't pay, they come knocking and they say, remember that airport that you, that you signed away on this piece of paper as, as collateral for the loan? Remember those buildings? Remember those, those mines, all that gold, all your oil, whatever, whatever your resources are? Like, oh, we'd be happy to give you this loan. We just need some collateral. How about your airport? How about your gold? How about your minerals? No problem. <laughs> and then they start calling in those loans, and they take those things. The, the, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And if you don't give it to them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come take it. And they have a legally binding agreement that the leaders of African countries and other countries all around the world, they signed it right over to China or, or, or whoever, whoever it is that's loaning the money at the time. It's, it's, a, it's a trick meant to entrap. And because, because people want things done quickly and they don't want to wait and pay for it and save the money and build the infrastructure, they're willing to walk right into the trap. All right, verse... Verse 7. Did we read verse 7? Verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, One time there was an earthquake in, I think it was in, it might have been in Turkey. But there there was an earthquake, a random earthquake somewhere, and someone put on social media, there's earthquakes in diverse places. Stay off social media. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, earthquakes happen as the creation groans. None of these represent the end or the second coming. This this is life in a sin-cursed world. It's just how it is. It, It happens all the time, every day, all around the world. Now, God told um, Eve that he would greatly multiply her sorrow through child through childbearing. And, uh, and this will continue to intensify until the end comes. Verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. 
Right now, that takes us right back to Genesis 3. The beginning of sorrows exists because of sin. All this exists because of sin. All this is the outworking of sin. And nothing else. Right now, but, but here's the key. As you read through this, at no point, at no point does the Lord say, in, 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 in the earthquakes, the famines, the wars, the, the signs of war, the rumors of wars, the, the kingdom against kingdom, nation against kingdom, all that stuff. At no point does he say, here's where the tribulation begins. Right? There's no starting point in Matthew 24. Because all those things, they happen now. It's, they're in the world now. Now, when the tribulation starts, those things are going to so intensify that it's going to be incredible. All right, so you, you think you had an earthquake. Not, you, you, haven't, you haven't seen or heard of an earthquake until you see the one that takes place in the tribulation. Um, you, you think there's wars and rumors of wars. You think there's pestilence. Wait till a bunch of scorpions come out of the ground with the head of a lion and, and start running around and, and, and stinging people or, or locusts come out of the ground with the head of a lion and the tail of a scorpion and start stinging people. That's a pestilence that I've never heard of before. Right? So people are like, oh, locusts came and ate all our crops. It's a sign of the times. No, it's not. That's, that's what locusts do. And if you don't spray and kill them, they're going to come and eat your crops. We're talking about a giant locust with a head of a lion chasing you down the street and, sta- and poking you with, this, with the tail of a scorpion. That's not the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a whole different matter. It's a whole level, different level, level of intensity. Um, th- these earthly realities have existed since Genesis 3. Disease pe- and pestilence and, and wars spread because of sin. They will, of course, intensify during the tribulation. Uh, these troubles will find their culmination in the tribulation period. All right, so they're, they're, they're going to start this first week when, when those seals and trumpets start going off. It gets bad. But then the second half, when the vials start breaking and, and, and that old dragon, that old serpent, the dragon is confined to the earth, then it gets really bad. Then, then Jesus, Jesus himself said, you have not seen tribulation yet. Not till you get here in the second half of this week. Then it's tribulation like you have never seen or heard before in your life. All right, and so so he he says you you, it's it's coming and it's going to be really bad. We went through this in Sunday school. I'll read this off to you real fast because uh, it's it, it's kind of powerful. Um, real quick before that, everything mentioned in verse fifteen is called the beginning of sorrows. Or before verse fifteen is the beginning of sorrows, and they will merge into the first half of the tribulation. But verse fifteen talks about the, the abomination of desolation being revealed. And then verse 16, if you're in Judea, run, flee. Verse 21, then shall be great tribulation. All right? That's, that's kind of the order there. But listen to this. Um, the world labors to manufacture a false sense of peace and unity, repeatedly exposed by war and corruption. They try so hard. Let's join together. Let's, let's, let's have peace we want peace in the Middle East. We want peace here, peace there. You know, they, they're like, well, 
We, we raised a billion dollars to, to spread peace in the Middle East. And then, uh, and then 100 bombs go off in the middle of the night and kill everybody. And it's like, well, you just wasted your billion dollars. Like it's, it's, it's gone. <laughs> and there's no peace. They still hate each other. They still want to kill each other. Right? So they, they work so hard to manufacture peace, to try and bring about peace. Well, here are some numbers for you. World War I, I want you to see this. I don't think we need any of this <clears throat> because I don't, I don't think you fully you'll fully grasp it unless you see the numbers. World War One killed around forty million people. <clears throat> now, that, when that war happened, they literally said, "This is the war to end all wars." The entire world thought this war was so bad there will never be another world war. There may not even ever be a, there may never be another war uh, war at all. Well, then World War II came, <laughs> and and kind of dampened that. World War II, sixty million people died in World War II. Those two wars alone, a hundred million people dead because of war. Now, then Mao Zedong took over in China. He's the, the communist leader of China who, who, who became their beloved president. He killed 55 million of his own people. This is what you get when you get communism or socialism. This was a war on the scale of the world. This was a war that, that spanned multiple countries, multiple continents, the world fighting, right? This was from his policies as president. He made a decision, 55 million people died. That's what you get from communism and socialism. But Stalin... In Russia, he was the communist or socialist president of Russia, right? He killed 60 million people with his policies. He went to, at the time, Russia controlled Ukraine. And he went into Ukraine and he said, all, all, all you farmers, you don't deserve that land. We're taking the land from you. And so the, they were called the Kulaks. They took those farmers, put them in prison because they owned land. Under communism and socialism, you don't get to own anything. It all belongs to the state. And so because these people owned the land and, and were benefiting from it, they fed all of Russia at the time, all of the Soviet Union at the time. It was the breadbasket of, of the Soviet Union. So they said, it belongs to the state now. We're going to let people come in and take it over and, and run it for you, and you're going to prison. So they put all those people in prison. And it, it, within just a few years, the, all, most of the Soviet Union, all of Ukraine was starving to the point that they died. There's a man named Mr. Jones. I don't remember his, his first name. He was a, a um, he was friends with, um, what's the guy's name? George Orwell. You ever know who George Orwell is? One person. You know who George Orwell is? You should know these things. You need to read. Anyways, George Orwell is one of the greatest essayists 
uh, of his time. Um, he lived during this period. It, 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 anyway, so his friend, Mr. Jones, was a, was a journalist. Both of them were big fans at the time of socialism. They thought socialism was going to save the world. And they heard about this utopia being built in Russia and the Soviet Union, but they were hearing something's going on behind the scenes. What Russia shows you when you come is not what you see if you leave outside the little safe space that Russia makes for you. So they say, yeah, come visit, and, and, and you go to Moscow, and they've got a little section of Moscow where everybody pretends like everything's great, it's beautiful, it's clean, everything's wonderful, but you're not allowed to leave outside that section. Because if you did, you would see what was really going on in the rest of the country. People still do it today. In North Korea, they do it all the time. They have, they have visitors come, and they have a little space of the, of, the, of the capital. That's where you can go. You can't go anywhere else. If you went anywhere else, you might find the labor camps and the people dying and starving and all the horrible things that are going on in the name of communism. All right, so Stalin kills 60 million people. This journalist goes in and uh, sneaks out of the little safe space they made, gets on a train, makes his way all the way to Ukraine, hikes through the snow, and he comes to a house, and only children are in the house. And he tells them, like, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. I'm, I'm so hungry. And so they cook him some meat. And he's, he's eating. He's starving, so he eats it. And he's sitting there, and he's eating. And then he starts thinking to himself, there's, there's no meat available in Ukraine. Everyone's starving. Where did you get this meat from? So they take him out back, and lying in the snow is one of their siblings. Because they're starving to death, they go out and cut chunks of his flesh off and cook it to eat. And that's what they just fed him. And so he and George Orwell reconvene when he gets back home, and they, they, they come to the conclusion, that doesn't work. It kills people. And George Orwell turned his back on socialism, socialism for the most part, not, not, as, not as intensely as he should have, but, but he did. Now, here, here's, what, here's the amazing thing. Who, who in here has heard of Mao? Anybody? Who in here has heard of Stalin? Two of you? Okay. Who's heard of this man? All right. Nearly everybody's heard of this man. He killed six million people. Stalin killed 60 million. You don't even know his name. Mao killed 55 million. You don't even know his name. Hitler killed six million. And everybody thinks he's enemy number one. Does that sound fishy to you? There's a reason for that. It's because many of the people of this world have fallen in love with socialism and communism. Now, Hitler was a socialist, but he was, a, he was more of a right-wing socialist and not a left-wing socialist. The Nazi party is called the Nationalist Socialist Party. That's, that's who they were. But people will tell you, you, uh, you, know, you don't want to be like Hitler. You want to be like Stalin? And they do. They think Stalin was a hero. They think Mao was a hero. Men that followed these two, one of them that you might know is Che Guevara. I don't remember how to spell his last name. Anybody know Che Guevara? 
If you look at the Bodas, when they ride around, they have a little picture of a man with a beard and long hair and a beret on. The, the little thing they have on, on their license plate sometimes or on the side of their gas tank. That's Che Guevara. He helped Fidel Castro to take over Cuba, and then he became his number one murderer. He, he was a follower of Mao and Stalin. He also came to Congo and tried to help perform a revolution there, but he was such a failure it fell apart, and he had, to, he had to leave the country. Then he tried a third revolution in Bolivia. It failed. The CIA from the United States found him. Now, this is what's so incredible. World War I, 40 million. World War II, 60 million. Mao Zedong killed 55 million. Uh, Stalin, 60 million. Hitler with the war and everything, of course, this is back up here. Around, he's responsible, they say, for around 31 million deaths. But he's part of, of this World War II, so that 31 million, million would be included up here. Now, the population of Uganda... Who knows what it is? 45 million people. One of these men would have wiped out your entire country. All of you would be dead. Be careful who you vote for. You might not like what you have, but it looks a lot better than this. And then comes along a young man who talks well, says he's a man of the people. And what does he wear on his head? A red beret. Where did he get that from? Let me demonstrate it to you so that you know I'm not just picking on your favorite wine singer. Che Guevara. Here's his picture. You might have seen this on the side of the Bodas. I see it all the time on people's cars and Bodas. Seen that image? What's he wearing on his head? A red beret. That's a symbol, that's a sign of communism. That's where they, where they get it from. So if someone like that were to take over in your country, can you guess what might happen? So now you don't know what's coming next in Uganda. I don't, I'm not certain that you have a lot of choice in it. <laughs> I hope you do, but that remains to be seen. You haven't seen a change of power here. But it's coming. It's coming soon. Uh, Museveni can't live forever. And while he's been here, the country has been safe. It has, it has grown economically. It's, had its, it's certainly had its problems, for sure. But you want to make sure what comes after is not worse than what you have. And don't be hasty to rush into the next exciting person, you better do your homework and make sure that he's not, gonna, that he's not following one of those people. Because if he is, God help you.
All right, we made it to verse 8. And so what I'll do is I'll probably teach some of this in the coming weeks on the podcast. We won't have time to revisit it next week. So um, I will go through more of this on the podcast. So if you want to hear more of Matthew 24 and its relationship to Daniel 9, you will have to find it there. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.